Thanks for joining us. This is a LC podcast sermon. Man, there's a lot of people going to be eating good. Seems like the kids have been dropping deer left and right around here. Facebook is full of deer pictures. How about a hand for all these young ones for their hunting success? Good job, Mike. Let me see. Who all was it? Meyer? Who else got a deer? There were several. Brooke, Meyer, um, Wyatt got one on Thursday or Friday. I saw a picture of Wyatt's deer. Who else? Addison got one this morning. Man, and the pastor hadn't had anybody bring him deer meat yet. It's taking one. No, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll get one. Next Saturday, I'm going after mine. I'm going to slip back across the Mississippi River and use my Tennessee deer tag that I purchased back in February before I even knew I was coming across the river. So I'll get mine. How many are glad that no matter what happens in this world, God's still in control? How many understand that no matter what your situation looks like today, tomorrow it could all be different? No matter how bad things may seem at any given time, in just a short while, maybe even hours or minutes, God can turn that thing around. We don't have to stay in the situation we're in. Many of us, things are not perfect for us today. If we would admit, we we could enjoy a little better health. We could enjoy a little better peace in our families. We could enjoy a little better prosperity maybe in our checkbooks. We could could be a little better off. Here's what I would like to tell you. When you get down to, to where you're struggling and you can't figure things out, and you can't figure out how to get your breakthrough, if you'll just give it to God, if you'll just trust in Him. A lot of times, we, we quit, we stop trying, we stop pressing in in prayer, or we stop seeking the Lord, or we stop believing hours or minutes from our miracle. Sometimes we stop just short of getting what we need from God. Somebody didn't change the clock, it's already 12. i got to stop preaching. I caught my watch. My watch only says 11, so we're good. <clears throat> I guess everybody remember to set their clocks back. Everybody enjoy the extra hour of sleep? That mean I get to preach an extra hour today? Nobody said that. I didn't get not one amen on that. Not one amen. But, you know, we, we do. Sometimes things in the world are scary. And if you focus too much on what the news is saying... And you, and you let it all get in there and you begin to, to let it cause that worry that the devil would like for it to, it could get you down. Um, I, I read the news all the time. I like to know what's going on around the world. I don't know how many of you follow this that closely, but there's been several, several major earthquakes around the world in these past couple of weeks. And as you remember from reading your Bible in Matthew 24, And in the other Gospels as well, it talks about the things to look for in the last days. Folks, I believe we are in the last of the last days. But as I said earlier, I believe that God would like to have one big harvest of souls. The Bible says there would be a great revival in the last days. There's a harvest of souls out there just right. 
People are searching for truth. People are trying to find enjoyment or peace or understanding in all kinds of weird ways that don't go along with God's way. People like the supernatural. People are seeking the supernatural. Well, I got news for them. If they would get in a good church where the Holy Ghost is allowed to roam free, they'll see the supernatural. They'll see what God's power can do. But when you, when you get to that point where you're starting to get concerned, I want you to be comforted. John 16.33 is where I'm going to start this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, John chapter 16 and verse 33, and we'll go back to the Old Testament for a little while, and then we'll end up back in John chapter 16. But John 16.33 is kind of the opening verse that I'd like to share with you. And Jesus has been talking about uh, things that were about to happen as He was going to the Father. But in verse 33, He gives them assurance. He said, These things I have spoken to you, that in Me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you give me special anointing to deliver this message with the power that it deserves. Lord, I know your word is anointed. Father God, I'm a mere man trying to present this to the best of my ability. Father God, I just pray for your anointing to be on this word. Lord, that the hearts are prepared to receive this word. Father God, that we get it past our mind and into our hearts. Lord, that we're able to apply this word to our lives and that we're able to be victorious as Christians for you. Jesus said, be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. There are going to be troubles. All through the New Testament, when Jesus was talking to His disciples and, and to us today, as that word is still relevant to us today, He said there's going to be trouble. He didn't try to tell us that if we would uh, take up our cross and follow Him, things would be easy. He told us right up front, it, there's going to be rough times. Because you're walking, when you follow Jesus, you're walking in opposition to the dark forces of this world. And when you're standing for what's right, all the evil stuff's going to come at you. You're going to face trials. You're going to face uh, temptations. You're going to face all kinds of stuff that sometimes you've got to scratch your head. And Wednesday night we're doing a study on, on First and Second Peter. And we just got started with it. So I encourage you, Wednesday night to come, we're going to be talking about these fiery trials of the devil and the things that come at us and how to resist them. But Jesus promised He had overcome the world. So if we're in Jesus, we're overcomers too. If we're truly walking with the Lord and we're seeking to honor Him and we're seeking to do the very best job we can, God's going to protect us. He's overcome the world. He's going to give us the strength to get through no matter what we go through. We can have victory. And the, the title of my message this morning is Go After Your Victory. I think the reason a lot of people are still walking around lead, leading defeated lives and not walking in full victory is because they're not going after their victory. They're sitting there in that state and just waiting for total defeat to come. They're not digging in. They're not going after their victory. God wants us to be victorious. He wants us to be prosperous. He wants us to be all we can be for Him. Hey, the army even borrowed that slogan. The army said, be all you can be. That was their slogan. God wants us to be all we can be in Him. 
He wants us to be powerful. He wants us to be victorious. We are living beneath our privileges, Christians, in this country today because people have forgotten how powerful the God we serve is. And He said He gives that power to us. Greater things than He did shall we do because He went to the Father and He sent the Holy Ghost to us. And if we'll just uh, take on that same power of the Holy Ghost and let the Spirit of God begin to move in us, we can be powerful, we can be victorious, we can see people being healed, set free, delivered, saved. But we're stifling that power. We're not getting as many victories as we should be getting because we're not going after them. We're sitting around like we're defeated and we're throwing our hands up and quitting too soon. Or we're just being complacent. Oh, by and large, the church is asleep today, folks. The church is snoozing right through most of the stuff that's going on. Around the world, the church has thought, well, we don't want to be controversial. And you don't have to be like the world, but you can stand up for what's right and truth. It says, let your light shine. It says, be the salt of the earth. That's what the Word says. We're supposed to speak up for what's right. We're supposed to be speaking up for unborn babies. We're supposed to be speaking up against unrighteousness that is happening in this country. We're supposed to be living above and not below. We're supposed to be the head, not the tail. Come on now. This is good stuff. That's what the Word says. We're supposed to be the head, not the tail. We're supposed to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. We're supposed to be the kind of people that all the other uh, nations, all the other people, the heathen look to, and they say, oh my goodness, look at those blessed Christians. That's what I want to be. I want some of that. I want to be rich like, like Roger and Robin. I want <laughs> Robin says I'm still waiting too. I want to be blessed with good health. I want to be blessed with, with, with the talents that those people I want to be blessed like those people down there at Life Chapel Assembly. Man, those people are blessed. You can see them. They're walking in God's blessings. That's what we're supposed to be. The world should be looking at us and saying, they got something I ain't got. I want to go check it out and get what they got. That's what we're supposed to be living. But all too often, even as Christians, we fail to walk in total victory because we hold back for some reason. Well, I'm not good enough. You're right, you're not. But Jesus Christ in you is. Amen? We're not good enough. We don't deserve all that stuff. But by the grace of God, He's poured it on us and given it to us, and all we got to do is walk in it and go claim it. Amen? Amen. We're the children of the Most High God. We should be, we should be living above what the world's living. And the Bible's got all kinds of principles about how we get there. If you're not living the way you need to be doing, maybe you're doing something wrong. Maybe there's something, and and if God points it out to you, then do it. A lot of it may have to do, and I'm not preaching on on tithing this morning, but a lot of it may just be how you handle your money. You know God wants you to handle your money a certain way. If you're being faithful in your finances, that's part of it. If you're being faithful in your devotions to spending time with God, if you're being obedient to what His Word's telling you, if you're doing what He's called you to do, when he, when he tells you to go talk to that mean old neighbor lady or mean old neighbor man and, and share the gospel with them and you resist because you think they'll think you're crazy, well, they might. But you know what? If your God told you to go talk to them, you need to go talk to them. If not, you're disobedient. 
There's a lot of people not work, walking in their victories because of either disobedience, inconsistencies. I want to share with you this morning, we're going to 2 Kings this morning. We want to talk about going after your victories. I want to talk about how things can change in just a short period of time. 2 Kings, we're going to start in chapter 6, uh, verse 24. Well-known well, uh, well story, I think, to probably most of you if you've been around the church any time at all. Uh, the prophet Elisha. It's a story about how bad the country got. And the country began to get that bad because of all the evil kings that were serving. And, and this particular king under him, things were getting real bad. People were getting hungry. There was, there was uh, a famine in the land. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 is where we're going to start. Say amen when you get there. Amen. A lot of people there are already good. This is a good Old Testament example of how God can t- turn things around if we'll just go after the victory. Starting in verse 24. I'm going to read a little bit and then we'll talk about it. Afterward, Ben-Hadid, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of a cob of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord will not help you, how shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the winepress? And the king asked her, What is your trouble? She answered, This woman said to me, Give me your son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day I said to her, Give your son that we may eat him. But she has hid her son. When the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. And he said, May God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha the son of Shaphat Remains on his shoulders today. Let me stop there. Let me read a couple more. Elijah, he was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. And the king dispatched a man from his presence. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Do you see this murderer has sent to take off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still speaking with them, The messenger came down to him and said, This trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? All right, things are getting bad. And and of course, uh, Elisha, he was was always uh, speaking the Word of God and he was telling the people constantly the things they needed to do in obedience to the Lord so the Lord would take care of them. And they saw this as the Lord's judgment coming upon them because they had been disobedient. They were serving false gods and and famine had hit the land. Things were bad. It was so bad that they were eating their own children. Folks, I've been hungry before, but I ain't never been that hungry. 
Things ain't never looked that bad for me that I would consider eating any human, much less one of my own children. And the dove dung that was selling for the high price and the donkey's head. I, anybody ever eat a donkey's head? Folks, that's how bad it was at this time. It was bad. And there's, there's, there's been cases around the world, different countries, especially in like Africa and places like that, where the famine has got so bad that they were eating anything they could. I remember in the Great Depression, my father saying how they used to eat possum. I don't eat possum either. Any of you guys eat possum? Maybe you do, I don't know. Maybe they taste good, but... Really? Karen, you eat it? Can you cook a good possum, Karen? My dad said that his mother could cook a good possum and that she could bake it up and, and it was just so good. And so one day, not, not long before he, he got sick, he says, I think I'm going to cook a possum like mom used to cook. And he cooked this possum and him and his brother, one of his brothers, sat down to eat it and they couldn't eat it. They ended up throwing it away. He said, that's nasty. They come to the conclusion, he said, I think I did it just like mom did it. I don't know why it tasted bad. They come to the conclusion it tasted good because we were just plain old hungry. The reason that possum tasted so good, we were that hungry. Well, these people were in such dire straits. They were eating donkey's heads. They were eating bird dung. And they were paying top prices for it. That, uh, a shekel of silver was like two-fifths of an ounce. And they were paying big prices for stuff that doesn't even sound appetizing. That'd be like giving $30 for a possum to cook. Man, I, I wouldn't waste a bullet on the possum to kill it to eat it today. Not when there's deer and rabbit and turkey and even them tree rats. I like a good tree rat once in a while. But these people were so hungry that they stooped to even eating that. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, it predicted that it would come this bad. The people would turn so far against God that, that, that the bad things would begin to come upon them because they were not keeping law. That was part of the curses. And then it would come to the point where they would be eating their own children. Eating their own babies. Folks starving to death. I hope it don't ever get that bad in this country. There were people back during the Great Depression that it got pretty close to that. My, I've heard stories from my dad and my uncle and, and my grandpa and some of them. Some of you may have come in on the tail end of that or remember fresh in your mind the stories of how bad it got. But when people rally around God, God can bring you through even the worst of situations. These people are at the point, they're eating their own children, they're paying high prices for junk food. That's what happens in the economy. The old law of supply and demand kicks in, and if there ain't a lot of food, and there ain't a lot of stuff, the prices go up. And some people even price gouge and take advantage of people in trying situations. I've seen that before, but things were bad. And of course, the king, anytime something bad happened, he wanted to blame it on the man of God. He blamed it on Elisha, and he was blaming Elisha for all this trouble that had been brought on the people. And in fact, Elisha, the Lord let him know, they're coming after you. 
But Elisha said, don't let them in. And they said, why should I wait on the Lord any longer? And here's what the man of God replied to him. Chapter 7, verse 1. But Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow, about this time, a saya of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two sayas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Then the captain of whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this be? But he said, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat it. In other words, this number one captain, um, like the cupbearer of the king, the one, the right hand man to the king, saying basically, I don't even think God can pour out blessings in the window. Things are so bad, I don't even think God can help us. That's what he's saying. Folks, as men and women of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, as people that seek to serve the Most High God, we should never get to the point where we doubt God's power, His provision, and His love for us. We should never get to the point where we doubt that God can get us through. We sung songs this morning about how God can get us through. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, that's how we get by. That's how we we get righteousness. We're not righteous, but we're righteous through the blood of Christ. That's how we we get our blessings. It all comes from God. But the king, he he didn't trust him. And the king's men, they had grown bitter because they had seen the anger that the king had kindled toward the prophets, and especially Elisha. They're at the point, even the people in the royal family, and you know they probably were the last ones to go hungry. They were the last ones to run out of provision. They had probably the great stockpiles of food and, and, and resources. But even people that are close to the king and around the royal family and, and around the, you know, the, the, the upper crust people, they're at the point they're doubting God can help them. And Elijah basically told him, it's coming. And you may doubt it, but you're going to see it, but you're not going to get to enjoy it. Let me read on. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. In other words, they said, well, if we just sit here outside the gate, we're going to die. If we go in the gate of the city as lepers, which they weren't supposed to, as lepers they're supposed to stay outside away from the other people. We're going to starve out here because there's nothing out here. If we go in the gates, they're not they're starving to death in the city. They can't help us. But the enemy has provision. They have food. If we go over to their camp, maybe they'll let us live and maybe they'll give us some food to eat. Kind of like the prodigal son that wanted to go work and be a slave. He was so hungry that he would eat slop with the pigs. The pig slop started looking good to him. They said, well, maybe they'll have mercy on us and let us live. Maybe we can go to the enemy. So they arose at twilight, or at 
right at, right at dark, to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they come to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the, king, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went in to a tent and ate and drank. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and they called to the gatekeeper of the city and told him, we, we came to the camp of the Syrians and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there. Nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out and was told, and it was told within the king's household. And the king rose in the middle of the night and said to his servants, I will tell you what the Syrians have done. It's a trick. He doesn't say that, but that's what he's thinking. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the open country, thinking when they come out of the city, we shall take them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants said, let's take some, some men, take five of the remaining horses, seeing that those who are left here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already perished. Let's send and see. Let's send out a few people to check it out. So they went and they checked it out. Verse 15, so they went after them as far as the Jordan, and behold, all the way was littered with garments and equipment that the Syrians had thrown away in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. So what's happened? He says, well, it's a trick. They're just waiting and hiding us. They know we're hungry, and, and they're going to wait. When we come looking for food, they're going to they're kill us. They're going to ambush us. But they went, and the, and the further they went past the camp of the enemy, they see that the enemy had ran away in haste. The enemy got scared because the Almighty God, the God of the Israeli people, God Almighty struck fear in their hearts, caused them to hear things that weren't there. They sounded, they caused them to hear a massive army coming after them. They heard hoofbeats. They thought the army was coming after them. And it even said they thought it was uh, that the king of Israel had partnered up with the Hittites and the, and the Egyptians and that they had this massive army that was coming to get them, and they fled in fear. God still had a remnant of people living in that city that was seeking Him. The prophet Elijah and the, and the people that were still seeking God, they were praying. They were asking for results. Elijah prophesied the result. This time tomorrow, well, guess what? When they realized it wasn't a trick and the king sent the people in and the people begin to bring the stuff back to the city. The people begin to get the, the, the booty, if you will, the spoils of the take. The enemy fled. God calls, and there's Psalms that say that, how God will cause our enemy to flee from us. The enemy fled from them 
and left all the provisions for them. And the next day, let's read on. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a saya of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two shekels of barley for a shekel. Hey, Elisha said that just the day before. He said it was going to be this way. And according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And the people trampled him in the gate so that he died as the man of God had said when the king come down to him. For when the man of God had said to the king, two says of barley shall be sold for a shekel and a say of fine flour for a shekel about the time tomorrow in the gate of camp. The captain mocked God's what he did. He answered the man of God, if the Lord himself should make a window in heaven, could such a thing be? In other words, not even God's going to take care of us. And he, had, he said, had said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him. That doubting Thomas, so to speak, that man that spoke against uh, the prophet and spoke against his words of God delivering them from this terrible famine and providing for their needs. He spoke against it now. Not even God can do it. What, what is God just going to pour it out? God made a way. He run the enemy off and gave the, 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 the enemy's provisions to the people and saved them all from starving to death. And it was exactly like the prophet predicted just this time tomorrow, a day later, things were good. Ooh, sometimes we are at that point where maybe we're starving to death. And maybe not, not physically, but maybe spiritually we're starving. We're hurting inside. Our joy's been taken. We're beat down. We're, we're, the cares of the world has got to us. And, and we're laying in a spiritual starvation kind of state. Or we're laying in a depressed kind of state because of loss we've experienced or because of things that's come at us or we're having troubles at our jobs or our kids are driving us absolutely crazy. I know y'all's kids don't because I see halos on all of them's heads. Somebody said, uh-uh. <laughs> but <laughs> things can get bad and you can be at a point where you don't seem to see any way out of it and you're scratching your head. Don't be like the captain and speak against God and say God can't do it. Say, Lord, I trust You. I believe in You. Lord, how's it going to come? Especially if you hear a word from God. The prophet just had told him it's going to happen. He spoke against the man of God. That's dangerous when you speak against someone that's given you a true word from the Lord. It's dangerous when you speak against what God's Word says. If God's Word says he can, he can bring us through it, if God's Word says He can supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory, if God's Word says He'll deliver us from the snare of the fowler, if God's Word says He'll deliver us from any pestilence, if God's Word says He'll do all that, if we speak against that, we're on dangerous ground. Now I know sometimes... We get aggravated and we don't understand God. And we say, God, we don't understand this. It's okay not to understand. It's okay sometimes even to be a little disgruntled. But don't stay God at, mad at God long and don't shake your fist at God. And That's basically what this captain did. And just as Elisha said, he ended up dead in the streets of the city. He said, you're going to see this good fortune that's coming to the people, but you're not going to get to enjoy it. Don't ever... 
get so aggravated as a situation. Don't blame God for anything bad that happens to you. Bad things happen to us because we live in a world that's become evil because most of the people in this world are fallen and separated from God. But God provides for us as we seek Him. And the reason that this country has been so blessed is because this country started out as a Christian nation. And if this country would continue to seek God and would continue to humble themselves and and fall in line with God's Word and quit living through their flesh and their evil desires, I believe God will bless this country again where our economy will be great like the economy was after God blessed them. I believe our country, that things could turn around in a day. Unfortunately, it moves a little slower in the human realm, don't it? But God can turn things around. Maybe this time, Wednesday, things will start looking good in this country again. These things will start looking promising. I see God setting it up. I see it setting it up. We're getting. I see some of the crooked laws that are against God's word. I see them being overturned. In a few days, I think we're going to see stuff start happening. We just got to keep believing. We just got to keep seeking. We just got to keep praying. What a difference sometimes a day can make. How many of you have ever been in one of those days where you just couldn't even hardly hold your head up? Things were looking bad. Notice the preacher's vote. You felt like everything was crashing down around. Oh, I'm the only one ever had it. Come on now. I know there's about. Seemed like the whole world's crashing down on you. And you begin to just dig in and say, God, I can't do this. God, you've got to get me out of this. When you get to that point where you feel like you, you're down to nothing, that's when God is up to something. And when you get to that point where you totally let go of trying to control that situation or that problem and give it to God, I mean really give it to Him, Really cry out to God, God, please, you've got to fix this. Maybe He's going to run your enemy off. Maybe He's going to throw some hoofbeat sounds at that enemy that's kept you bound up or that boss. Maybe He's going to put that blanket of peace over your family. Maybe He's going to send that spirit of restoration into your family so that you can be restored to loved ones that you've been at odds with. Maybe He's going to pour that balm of healing out over you that heals that broken heart that's been shattered by the cares of the world. What a difference sometimes even just a day will make. This is, this I know is an extreme example, but you know the Word also says with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. I don't think we're going to have to wait a thousand years to see things get better here in America. I think we're going to start seeing things get better. We got to keep believing. We got to keep praying. We got to keep lifting up our country. As far as our situations, some of us, we know we ain't where we want to be. We know that we're moving toward that. What's it going to look like tomorrow? Are we going to be closer? We could be. Just depends on how, di- how deep we dig in with God, how much we trust Him. Maybe tomorrow. It'd be your day that tomorrow, this same time tomorrow, man, things just start turning around for you. Guys, I went through periods in my life when, when, when things were bad and I was down to nothing and, and sickness and defeat and family problems were all over me. And, and I'm like, God, 
And the next day, it just seemed like things would start turning around. When you get to that point where you totally believe and trust in God and count on Him to bring you through, that's when God does His best work. When we quit trying to handle it ourselves. The king wasn't doing a very good job, was he? The people wasn't doing a very good job. They had resorted to eating their own people and eating donkey heads. They weren't handling it. But the man of God had a word from God and he spoke the word of God and said, it's going to happen. God spoke that to him. He saw it happen. I don't know. Maybe Elijah saw the, Sy- the, the Syrians running. Maybe Elijah in the spirit saw the, the hoofbeats of the horses and the chariots. and the, Maybe he saw all that in the spiritual realm and, and saw those enemies fled. I don't know. God showed him it was going to be better the next day. It happened just as he said. To the point of you who doubted, you who spoke against my God, you're going to see it, but you don't get to enjoy it. He was trampled in the street by the people, bringing back their booty, bringing back the spoils of, of the enemy. We've got to learn to get past those points of defeat. We've got to learn to look up to God and to look into what He's about to do. We've got to be like these lepers and be willing to step out. If you're sitting at the point of defeat, sometimes God will plant that thought in your head. These guys sitting there, all defeated, we're going to die. There's no food. We can't go in the city. They ain't got no food either. Somehow or another, it popped in their head. Maybe if we go over here, I believe that was a God-given thought to those people because it not only saved the, the, the four lepers, it saved the whole city. So it popped. That God-given thought came to them, and, but they, had to, they could have said, oh, no, no, that ain't going to work. Nah, we ain't going to the enemy's camp. Let's just sit here and die. They had to take action. They had to go after their victory. They had to get up off their leopardous mat and go after their victory. Some of us are laying around wallowing in self-pity, wallowing in depression, wallowing in defeat, feeling sorry for ourselves, mad at the world, aggravated at God, aggravated at our husbands or wives or kids, and we're sitting there wallowing in defeat, blaming the government and everything else for where we're at. Why don't we get up off of our leprous mats and go after our victory in the Lord. It starts with, with some prayer. And some of us, the reason we ain't getting our victories, we're not going after it in prayer. We go after our victories in prayer first. And then if God gives you a thought of something you need to do, see, sometimes we got to give God something to bless. Those four lepers got up and went when they that thought came there, and God blessed that. When they got to the enemy's camp, God had already prepared it. He'd already done the work. He'd already set them up. Their victory was there. But they had to get up and go after it. Some of us, our victories are there, but we got to get up and go after it. Instead of sitting around defeated. Oh, it'll never get better. Oh, I'm just, I, I got to stay right where I'm at. My, my daddy was a drunk, my mama was a drug head. Nobody in my family ever amounted to anything, so I ain't going to amount to anything. That's a defeated attitude. We need to get up and go after our victories. Whatever we're looking for. Whether it's a favor on our jobs. Whether it's 
promotion, whether it's family relationships repair. We may be the one that needs to take that first step and extend that first uh, olive branch of friendship to that friend or family member that we're at odds with. Sometimes, parents, we even have to tell our kids we're sorry. Sometimes we have to be the bigger person and tell our kids we're sorry. Sometimes, husbands, we have to be the bigger person and tell our wives we're sorry. But you're not going to get your victory if you just keep sitting there wallowing in defeat and self-pity. I know people like that. I know people that sit around and, 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 and people say, well, what do you think I should do? And sometimes I'll give them some practical advice and they'll give me every reason in the world why they can't do that, why it's easier to just sit there and not work and sit there and not get out of the hole they're in. Anyone ever do that? Someone asks you for advice and you give them advice? And they don't want to listen to it. They'd rather stay defeated or beat down or, or wherever they're at. As Christians, we know the answer. We know the answer to all of our problems is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the light of the world who, who saved our souls and restored our souls. We know the answer. We should be sharing that with everyone we come in contact with. I run into a lot of people that are beat down. It's like the Lord puts these people in my path. And if I, and some of you, I'm sure you run into people like this too. They, they need a word of encouragement. You need to tell them that there is a way out of this. There is hope out there. But sometimes even Christians lay around defeated. We should be victorious. And then when we're victorious, we can take that victory to the world that's totally unvictorious and lost and separated from God. We first got to go after our victory. Then we can lead others to victory. Amen? Some of us are still fighting to have total victory in the Lord. Amen? Some of us are still struggling to reach the fullness of what God would have us to do. Some of us can only carry people so far. Carry them as far as you can carry them. Then you get another victory and then bring the ones up behind you to their victory. That's kind of how it works. Whatever God has done for you and made known to you and taught you, you're supposed to be sharing that with other people. Whatever victories God has given you, you need to be sharing those victories with other people and help other people to find their victory. Whatever it is. God will meet our needs. He don't meet our griefs. Sometimes He'll meet stuff that just because He's cool that way. Sometimes He'll give you something out of the clear blue that you kind of wanted, but you're like, nah, I can't do that. You know, we don't need to spend money on something like that. Now the out of the blue, something just comes at you. Like a dozen roses for your wife on her birthday. I don't, I'll buy her flowers once in a while, but not as often probably as I should. But that was cool that you guys did that. And I, I appreciate you guys doing things like that. Jesus warned us that tough times would come. We may not get as bad as we're ready to eat our kids. But it's going to get where in the very last days it's going to get so bad people are going to persecute us just because we claim to be Christians. It's already been kind of happening. If you hadn't figured it out, they're making laws against the Christian faith. They're already trying to shut us down. They're, they're, they would love nothing more the, the world and, and that are influenced by Satan 
and his forces would love nothing more than to shut all the churches down. They really don't, don't like the churches. They tolerate the churches. We need to go after our victories. Let's flip back to John 16. And I want to start reading in verse 15. John 16, John's Gospel. And I'm getting ready to close. This is my first closing. Now I, I'm going to get y'all out of here by noon today. I'm going to be nice. John 16, starting in verse 15. Red letters, Jesus talking. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. After a little while, and you will see me no longer, and again a little while, and you will see me. For some of His disciples said to one another, What is this that He says? A, a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I am going to the Father. So they were saying this, What does He mean by a little while? We do not know what He is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, A little while, and you will see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now you, ask, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And he goes on to say, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. 1633. I have said these things to you, that in me you have the peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, I have overcome the world. He's telling them, i got to leave, but I'm coming back. I'm giving you the power. Whatever you ask in my name, you're going to have it. That promise has not been revoked. In a little while. In a little while, we're going to see Him face to face. In a little while, the King of kings and Lord of lords is coming in all His power and glory, and He's coming back to set things right on this earth. But while we're here, while we're going through this tribulation, we need to walk in victory. We need to stand up and be the powerful, bold Christians that Jesus Christ has called us to be. We need to be the church that don't back down from controversy just because it's politically correct. I've never been politically correct. I'm not going to tell people their, their things are okay and things are right just because they're out of their perverted, twisted, selfish minds. They've come up with these new ways of doing things that, that go against God's Word. I'm not going to stand for that. I'm going to tell us it's wrong. I'm going to tell them it's wrong. If we would just walk in the victories that God has given us, if we would walk in power as the church, if God's people across this nation and across this world would walk in the power that He's given them. Quit shrinking back from man. Go after your victories. Get your victories. 
Sometimes the reason we don't have our victories is because we don't seek them hard enough. And sometimes the victory is waiting for us to take, but we get, sometimes we've got to win some of those victories through some spiritual warfare, seeking God, knocking down some barriers. Oh, there's a lot of stuff I want to see different in my life, and I'm praying for it. I'm asking God. I'm, I'm bombarding the gates of hell that are coming at, trying to keep these things from being the way I would like them, and I'm praying against it. I'm trying to get my victory in a lot of other areas of my life. I'm walking in victory, but there's some more victories I want. Because the Word says we're supposed to go from glory to glory to glory, and I want to keep going. I still can't walk on water. I want to get there. I still had the right. I, I may not walk on water till Jesus comes back and glorifies my body, but who knows? Maybe someday I'll be back here baptizing and I'll be on top of the water. That'd freak everybody out, wouldn't it? Folks, we need to go after our victories. Sometimes just a day can make the difference. Sometimes just a few days. This example I shared with you out of the Old Testament, just one day and the difference was there. Sometimes the reason we're not getting our victories is because we're not going after them. Let's go after our victories. Amen? Quit lying in defeat. If you're not totally where you need to be at, then you need to keep moving forward. You need to, you need to seek those victories in whatever areas in your life you don't have the victory yet. Go after that victory. Amen? Is this okay? Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for this Word today. Lord, I thank You for the fact that You make us more than conquerors. Lord, that we can have the victory as we trust You and as we follow Your Word and let Your Word work in us. Lord, as we let our faith begin to expand and begin to grow and, and, and our belief gets so strong that we believe we can have all those things Your Word says. Lord, we know the importance of faith. Lord, we've We've heard and, and, and you've laid it upon the pastor's heart. He preached against getting out of fear and, and moving in faith. And Lord, we know that victory is ours. We know that you don't want us to be beat down, miserable people. You want us to be a powerful force representing you to this lost and dying world so that people see you in us and that they see what they can have. Oh, Father God, help us where we let fear keep us from getting our victory. Father God, help us where we let doubt keep us from getting our victory. Lord, help us when we let complacency or settling for second best, settling, we, we settle too much in this country. We settle too much, even as a church, we settle for whatever the world says we can have or whatever should be ours. Oh, Father God, help us to have that victory and to be those victorious people that You've called each and every one of us to be. Lord, we thank You for Your Word this morning. Father God, when we leave this place today, Lord, we pray that this Word stays burning in our hearts, that we should be seeking the victory in all areas of our